0: Okay this morning we're going to talk about how one submits their will. How does that happen? So in the scriptures where we have to start is we see in Genesis the first chapter God created everything. The physical creation. In that sense he was recreating the earth and, and bringing it into a proper place for man that he would create in Genesis 1:26 and 27 in his image. And that's what he did, he created man in his own image and we can see that he created the male and female and that's also brought out in Genesis chapter five verses one and two. So God created that. And then we see in Genesis, the second chapter, he created man. And of course, in creating Adam, did he already see Eve in Adam before he ever even took her out? And he did, and that of course is a type of Christ. And and Christ is in the masculine, he took us out his bride with the feminine. And so that speaks of the fact that God has always seen, always, as long as he's ever been, known that there would be his son, a lamb, and that he would have a bride. That would be us in this dispensation, the church age, That's brought out in Revelations 13 and verse eight. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. That means before anything was created, this was the eternal mind of God. So that was God's plan and we can see it again even in John the first chapter, verses one and two, uh, right through three and then we can see it in the 14th verse where Christ was the word and he became flesh put on humanity. So we see these things, and this is brought out in these types in Genesis, the first chapter and in the second chapter, and and created everything. So he took Eve, Isha in the Hebrew, out of Adam, Ish. So Isha Isha is same as Ish, Ish is capital I-S-H and Isha just threw the A on the end, but they were one. And then he took her out and then of course he placed them in the garden, made everything perfect for him, Adam. And now what did he do? The first gift that he gave man, Adam and Eve, the first gift that he gave was the gift of free will. It's clearly brought out in the scriptures. So there was given to them a will. God created them with a will, the ability to make choices. The test for them was given in Genesis 2 verse 17. Here they are in a beautiful garden, everything handed to them. All they had to do, and and by the way, it didn't even rain. There was a mist that came up and watered the garden and all he had to do was keep it. Him and his wife, Eve. The test was don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in the day that you do so, in Genesis 2 verse 17, the day that you do so, in dying, being in dying spiritually separated from me, you will die physically. That's why we die physically. That was the test. And of course we know they failed that in Genesis the third chapter. Still, did God take away, after the fall, we see that in Genesis chapter three, verses one through six. After the fall, did God take away a gift that he had given Adam and Eve, their will? Absolutely did not take it. Because when God gives gifts, he gives them what? Without strings attached, unconditionally. So they fell. Then what? They covered themselves. They took fig leaves. You see that in Genesis. Again, this is in the third chapter in those first ten verses. They covered themselves with fig leaves. And then it says in Genesis 3, verse 8, that they heard the voice of God walking in the garden. Who do you suppose the voice of God was? Well, do you have a voice without words? Are there words without a thought? No, because words are a communication of a thought. And that's why the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ, the word in John 1.1, 1, 1, is the full thought of God, being one with him. And so that he could manifest himself. And that's why when the disciples said in John 14, verse 8, show us the Father, Jesus Christ said in John 14, verse 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because they're one. But he had to put on humanity so that you and I could identify with him. So we see again in the fall, Adam and Eve, they have covered themselves with fig leaves. Then they hear the voice of God, that is, Genesis 3.8 when it says what is so how should I understand Genesis 3.8 they heard the voice of God walking in the garden? Never seen a voice walk. Well this is the pre-incarnate Christ before he put on humanity. They heard the voice of God walking in the garden and they went and guess what they did when when we're in a fallen state when a man is in a fallen state he tries to cover himself and he hides and they're hiding in the trees of the garden. They hid themselves. What God meant to bless them, the trees, the fruit, and things that they would partake of, they hid in. They heard the voice, they hid. Then the initiation again is God taking the initiation through his Son, the Word. And what is he saying to them? He asked the question, he asked all of mankind, saved and unsaved, this question. Where are you? That's the question that he asked them in Genesis 3, 9. He said, where are you? What did they say in the 10th verse? This is what they said, what they said. Well, we heard you, we heard you in the garden. We were afraid and we hid ourselves. Well, why did you do that? Well, because we were naked. Yeah, but I thought they covered themselves. Does God see through Christ the Word? Does he see everything? That's hidden, yeah. So, what was he doing? He was initiating to them, right? What was he? What was the basis that he could even initiate? Now, remember, who is Jesus Christ? Even in his pre-incarnate state, who is he? He is God, but the one who fulfilled all the will of God. In John four verse thirty-four, Jesus said, "In his humanity, my meat is to do the will of God and to finish the work." That's brought out in the prophecy of Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. It brings it out crystal clear. And so, he initiates to them. What was the basis that he could even initiate to them? What was he causing them to respond with? Their will. Because what could they do outside submitting their will to him? They could do nothing. All they could do is hide, try to cover it, not deal with it, because they can't in themselves. Try to, try to cover it and then hide. And when you can't hide, right? oh God, you still have that covering on. right? But who, does, who sees right through it? That's why it says in Revelations 1 and verse 14, his eyes are as a flame of fire. You know what a fire does? It reduces everything down. Nothing can be hid from his view, nothing. That's why it says his eyes were as the flame of fire. It was very interesting. It says his feet burned as, as brass in a furnace. And that speaks of the suffering and of what he went through for us, of course brought out mostly and, and clearly on the cross. So here's the will. Then he gives them the promise. He's giving them the substance. So in Genesis 3, verse 15, he's giving them the promise. First, he curses. First, everyone's playing the blame game. He says to Adam, what did you do? What did you do? And he blames God. (laughs) What's what's he doing with his will? Is it still submitted yet? No, because what is he doing? When our will isn't submitted to God, to Christ, we blame circumstance, situation, people, everything, because the will's not submitted. So the first thing God you know, Christ in his preincarnate state says to Adam, he said, Well, what did you do? And he goes, Well, it was it was the woman that you gave me. He doesn't want to be responsible. So he's gonna blame somebody else. Then he then he comes to the woman. Okay, then what did you do? She he said, she said, it was that beautiful snake, that beautiful reptile, that gorgeous animal that you made that deceived me the blame game starts. Why? Unsubmitted will. Then he brings out in Genesis 3 verse 15 the promise. Who was the promise given to? Does God promise anything to fallen nature, to flesh? Nothing. The promise was given, okay, to him who would come 4,000 years into the future and put on humanity and fulfill the will of God that no other human being could do because they don't have the ability in themselves to do so. So he said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent that that will bruise his heel is speaking of Calvary, what would happen 4,000 years into the future. So then you see Cain, you see two bring bring their sacrifice. One brings the right sacrifice because, right, who were, who were uh, Cain and Abel? They were the sons of, right, Adam and Eve who taught them what Christ in his pre-incarnate state had taught them. They both brought something. They were both, they both brought a sacrifice. One was rejected, the other was not. Why? because still, one had an unsubmitted will still, Cain. He was gonna do something based on what he could do with his will apart from God. When we define sin, the Bible, and that's how we can only define it, sin is, in, in in a human being, saved or unsaved, sin is my will, not your will. Simple as that. Cain's will was not submitted, He even was given the the chance constantly right before God and he still went out. He was angry, angry, angry. Where is all the bad wrong angry located in the saved and in the unsaved? It's in the will not submitted. There's a righteous anger in Ephesians 4 verse 26, be ye angry and sin not. (laughs) Unsubmitted will, right? Because if, if it's that ca- if it's the case of an unsubmitted will in his anger, it's you've given a place to the devil in Ephesians four twenty seven. So when you go back to that, you go back to the picture. You see Cain. He, he what did Abel bring? A right sacrifice, an innocent victim apart from him. He just brought an innocent victim here. Blood was shed. Innocent victim. What's it pointing to? Christ. His will was submitted and receiving the truth. What about Cain? He brought from the fruit of the ground. Yeah, but what happened to the ground we see in Genesis, the third chapter? Well, the ground was cursed. It's just like when he said the first thing he pointed to and he was pointing to Satan who used the reptile. He said, you will go on your belly And dust will be your meat, that's what you'll feed on. And of course, where are our bodies created from? In Genesis 2 verse 7, dust of the ground. With an unsubmitted will, oh boy, boy does he feed on us. Saved and unsaved. So through this whole process, we see Cain now, he goes out in furious anger, furious anger. In Genesis 4 verse 16, it says he went out from the presence of God. Do we go out from the presence of God when our will's not submitted? Yeah, out from the presence of God. Then we got to get busy doing things. Better make sure what we're doing is being led by him. Because if it's not, it's something about our, our will. It just hasn't been submitted. Maybe we got lazy. Maybe we just forgot. Yeah, maybe we just, you know, plethora of reasons why. Then it says in 417, he built a city. In that city is is the world system, people who function under the prince and power of the air in Ephesians two, 2. in and in, in the God of this world in Second Corinthians four four, that's a religious God. The prince the prince of this world that Jesus has nothing to do with in John twelve thirty one and in John fourteen verse thirty. He has nothing in me and I have nothing to do with him. That's why Jesus said in John 17 and verse 14, I am not of this world, this whole worldly system that Satan is now usurped and allowed by God to work out the fullness of the lie and and bring it to an end ultimately. And that's why he said in John 17 verse 16, neither are we of the world, because we are of Christ, right? Romans 8 verse nine, we have the flesh in us, right? potential to have a will not submitted, but we have Christ in us who fulfilled all the will of God and we submit to him and we realize the fullness of what Christ in his person and his work has fulfilled. So if you carry this all the way through, you see this, so how does a person submit their will? The question is how does a person do that? Well, they wouldn't. We, we would never have an opportunity to do so had not God initiated. And when he initiates, he's initiating by the fulfillment of his will, and he's initiating to the will of the unsaved and to the saved. He's initiating to them. They can have the ability to respond based upon what? Their own will surrendered and submitted and given over to him. It's constant through the scriptures. You can see all the way through Israel, his people, all the way from Adam, all the way through. You can see it. It's brought out crystal clear. Their whole problem was they did not submit to God. They just lived in their own will and as a result functioned in sin. And then all kinds of sin. Won't be any different to us as believers, by the way that's why the scriptures make it clear in Psalm 14 1 through 3 Psalm 53 1 through 3 the fool has said in his heart no God no nope. they're all gone out of the way there's a poison asp in them they've been poison why does it say the poison asp? because they got this sin nature bitten by the by the the reptile the snake Satan in type and they're filled with poison that's why it says their wound that they received from Adam, in our Adam nature, way back in Genesis 3, who used the, the, the reptile, the snake, to deceive them, right? The woman was deceived, Adam transgressed. That's why women in, 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 in Christianity do not take the lead in anything, because they can be easily deceived. But the man transgressed, okay? and the scriptures, there's a bunch of scriptures that bring that out crystal clear. As we can see through through the Bible. So the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. You can see it, and that's in Psalm 14, 1 through 3, and Psalm 53, 1 through 3. It's brought out clearly. That's why it says in Jeremiah 30, verse 12, "Their wound is incurable. Right? You, you and I can't, we can't cure. There's no cure for the old sin nature. That's what, it, that's why it was crucified. <laughs> that's what. God was teaching through the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. What's that? What's Galatians 2.20 teaching? It's teaching Romans 6, 1 through 6, our old nature has been crucified. Why? Can't cure it? Can't change it? Gotta crucify it. No, no no, man after the flesh and Christianity in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. No, all th- old things are passed away. Not in the process of. They already are in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are what? New in him. What's that? New nature. So a man must be born again. Must be. Nicodemus comes to him at night. We see that. We see he comes to him at night. We see that. He can't believe it. He says in John 1 46, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Why did he say that? Because Nazareth in, 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 uh, in Israel was a slum area. Jesus was brought up in a slum area. Yeah, Open sewers in the roads, literally in Nazareth. It's a very poor section, that's where he was brought up and learned uh, the carpentry trade through his, his father Joseph. So he came to him at night. He was a Pharisee that came to him at night because he had a reputation. (laughs) He didn't want those other Pharisees to see him and think less of him. He came to Jesus at night, and that's when he said to him, listen. He said, listen, let me tell you something. A man must be born again. John 3, 3 through 6. A man must be born again. has to be. It has to be born again. That's what, that's what the Genesis the 315 promise was, receiving Christ. So a man must be born again. You have to be. The old has to be. The old has to be done away, and that's been done, fulfilled in the will of God, accomplished through Christ, it has to be done away. So how does this all work? What is it, you know? So how does it, how does all of this work together? How do, how do we know all these things? Well, we know them by the preponderance of all these different scriptures. And we put it together so we can have a full thought and understanding about the will. That's what we need. That's why we need teaching. And thank God for the word that separates us from self-conscious living, the soul in Hebrews 4.12. My will, not submitted. We see the results. You know, we talk about it all the time. Look to someone else, you get what? Disappointed. Look in yourself, what? You get discouraged. Look to Christ, you get encouraged and built up because he separates the soul from the spirit. He, and, and in the believer, he's separating what's the, what is the fleshly will, and that's brought out in Romans the 8th chapter, verses four through eight. It's brought out very clearly. You can mind the flesh, the will, or mind the spirit, will given over, submitted to Christ who fulfilled the will. Brought it all out. Brought it all out. And so we see the beautiful picture of that. Now, that's, so how does a person unsaved submit their will? What happens if they've never heard? No one ever actually came and gave them the gospel. What would what, what what would they do then? How does God reach them? You mean to tell me that God so loved the whole world in John three sixteen? World there means all humanity, by the way, every human being. God so loved the world, he had so what kind of love? So loved them that he. <laughs> the pre Son, the Word, Christ, put on humanity, went through all that and died for them. You mean to tell me in John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life? And not let everyone know and have the ability to receive Him? At least the chance. Of course He would. Well, what if they've never heard the Gospel? Doesn't his, doesn't his creation teach us something? Does God's creation, as much as man might want to say it's evolution, you know, a bunch of things, Where are those bunch of things, even if they're going to come together and bang and create, where did they come from? <laughs> well, what does the Bible say? Well, look, you know, I mean, the Bible's got the answers. And that's why we come to hear the word of God, because God has the answers, doesn't he? He has answered every single question that we have with his son. Now, here's how it works. Well, what about the tribes in the Amazon, India? Never heard the word of God. Look what God uses to teach. Psalm 19, verse one. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, the creation shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech. Wow, what a language speaking, right? Night unto night shows what? Knowledge. Knowledge of what? A creator. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Isn't that interesting? Their line, their instruction really, is gone out through all the earth. The line, you know, the words, the letter, the sentence. And their words to the end of the world, to the earth. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Wow, which is as a bridegroom, isn't that interesting? Coming out of his chamber, oh, that wouldn't be a picture of Christ coming out, putting on humanity in John 1, verse 14, would it? Even by the, the type of the creation. And rejoicing as a strong man to run a race. Where do we get our strength from? In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and Joel 3, 10, we get it from Christ. And we run a race. How do we do it? With the strength that grace gives us with patience in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, verse 3. Especially in Hebrews 12, 3, we run that race with the grace and strength that he gives us. Look at what it says. He's talking about the sun, but look what it switches to. His going forth is from the end of heaven. In other words, there's no place where he's not. Isn't that interesting? And his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Is there anything we can hide? Could Adam and Eve hide themselves from God we saw in the garden? Even though they put, they covered themselves, could they hide themselves? No, because whatever we do, we do in Psalm 90, verse 8, in the light of his countenance. But that signature creation leads them to a creator. Brings them to the place where they know and can't deny it. Helpless and hopeless in ourselves, we need an object. Something outside of ourselves. Because there's nothing in here that can do it. Look what it says. Now it brings them to the law of the Lord. Is, is complete. perfect, Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord. Sure, making wise the simple, the humble. The statutes can bring them to teaching. And on and on it goes. Read it all the way through to the end. So the Indian can say, or the... The tribe and the Amazon can say, oh, make this a creator. I reach out, nothing in me. I see a signature. Oh, yes. God knows the heart. He knows when the will is submitted. And he does that by this too. So how does he do it? And this is, again, Jesus is teaching in John the 16th chapter. And we could go on and on with this one with a plethora of scriptures. By the, by the pure grace of God that we see in John 16. We see in John 16, verse 8, it says, When he, he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will what? Reprove the world or convict the world of what? Mm-hmm. Sin. Is that what they do or is that who they are? It's sin, nature. You are born with a sin nature. What does that mean? What does that mean? What is that talking about? Well, now we have to go to Romans, the fifth chapter. See? And if I don't know how to do all this, even as a believer, must I be taught? If I don't know, yes, that's what what we're doing here this morning. This is Romans, the fifth chapter, twelfth verse. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered. Who was the one man? Adam. What is the sin? It's nature. Not yet what they do, how they're born. That's Psalm 51, verse four. I was conceived in sin and in iniquity. My mother brought me forth. That's 51, verse five. That's Psalm 58, verse three. The babies, as soon as they're born, it says they come out of the womb speaking lies. Well, where did they get that lying nature from? Who's the father of all lies? In John 8, verse 44. Yeah, that was the serpent that bit them way back, that they submitted to in Genesis the third chapter. So wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and as a result, death by sin. That's the promise in Genesis 2.17. You eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're disobedient with your will not submitted. This is what you get. What do we experience every time when we don't submit our will as believers in Christ? Yes, the flesh is in us in Romans 8, 9, but we're not of it. But can we function in it? And when we do, what do we experience? Death, distance, separation from God. Again, brought out by Genesis 2, verse 17. So in five twelve of Romans, death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. Why? For that all have sinned. Why? How do you sin? You got a nature. <laughs> and what is sin? When I actively sin. Will, not submitted. My will, not yours. I don't have to do this and do whatever I want. Yeah, that's my right. Oh, okay. You better read Proverbs, the 16th chapter. You may make decisions and choices, but the results are not not left up to you. They're left up to God. They're not left up to me either. Now, for all of sin, for until the law, sin was still in the world. People still had sin natures. But sin is not imputed. When, when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even after them that had not sinned after the, the similitude of Adam's transgression. Not in the same way, it's saying. Not in that same particular way. But <laughs> when we don't submit our will, that's what we do in a plethora of different ways. Sin, right? Who is the figure? Who is the figure? What's a figure? The type of him that was to come. There's the first Adam. So when I, to understand this, I have to look at 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter and go from 45 to 49. The two Adams, the two heads. The first Adam, the second Adam, Christ. That's what this is, who Adam was, the figure of him that was to come. When I don't submit my will, what do I function in? It's always first, the natural. Then God has to come in and through the teaching of the word and his grace, he says, listen, this needs to be separated. Hebrews 4, 12. So that you function in your head, Christ, your new, your new nature through a new head. So, right. So who was the figure of him that was to come in Romans 5, verse 14? But not, not as the offense also is the free gift. For through the offense of one, many are what? Many be what? Dead. They're still alive, right? But they're separated. Death, it speaks of separation. Much more, the grace of God and the gift, the gift by grace is by one man who, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto who? Many. As many as want him, you can receive him. Will he force himself on my will? He will not do so. Will he violate my will? He will not do so. He gave us a gift. He won't take it back through violation. Does the enemy all day long. He doesn't ask me my permission. Ed, do you mind if I tempt you today? He didn't ask me to see which will I function in. Now the test was meant by him for evil in Genesis 50 verse 20, for me to function in the flesh so he could, through deception, he could accuse me. God meant that as a trial knowing that the trying of my faith, working of of dependence, works what? Makes me more precious than gold that perishes. That's 1 Peter 1.7. The trials. And that's what they're brought about for. So we see this. Has abounded unto many. Verse 16 of Romans 5. And not as it was by one that sin, so was the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. Is there any condemnation to us now that we're in Christ in Romans 8 1? No. Is there any in our position? No. What happens when my will is not submitted? What is my experience? Condemnation. Is God condemning me or is it the flesh? Mm, it's the flesh. It's the flesh, right? So we say, not as one, as by one that sin so also was the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many, many offenses unto what? Justification. What is justification teaching us? Moment we receive Christ, right? We were cleared of all guilt and condemnation in the courtroom of God's justice because we had Christ. And that's why there's no other name given under under heaven whereby men must be saved in the name Christ Jesus, that's Acts 4.12. That's 1 Timothy 2.5. There's one mediator, only one, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So how how do I get over to this man? By submitting what? My will to him. Because I can't, all I can do with my will is what? Sin. Because that's what a sin A person with a sin nature does without a submitted will. All they do is sin. They can sin in ignorance, but thank God for us, Leviticus 4, verse 27, Christ paid for those sins of not only commission, but omission. And that goes into what we've taught, the Bible's taught us in 1 John 1, 9, which we won't do this morning as we begin to wrap it up. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace. What's that mean? How do I know that? Well, remember what Jesus said the shepherd in John 10, 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life. And what kind of life? Abundant life. Through receiving abundant grace continually. So through the abundance of grace and of the gift, who's the gift? Everything about grace is of, constituted of the substance that Christ is, as the gift, right? The gift of righteousness. Who's our righteousness? 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ, right? Will reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Reign. When? Right now, because we have the life who is who is that life reigning over us with our will submitted and we become one with him in that reigning and we're, Romans 8, 37, more than conquerors. Therefore, as by one offense, the offense of one, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even by... The righteousness, or through the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, men were many were made sinners, that sin nature was passed on. That's Romans five twelve. How's the sin nature passed on through the twenty three reproductive chromosome genes of the male sperm? That sin nature is passed on, but we receive a new nature in Christ, and so. Back to John the 16th chapter, we see in John 16, verse 8, for the unsaved, he, the Holy Spirit, convicts the world of what? Sin. Pal, you've got a sin nature. <laughs> right? You've got a sin nature. And what? Of righteousness. Ugh, how are those two things going to meet? i got a sin nature. Here's God with perfect righteousness. Uh-oh. And so as a result, what? What is it? End of judgment. Because if a person in a sin nature, apart from a sacrifice, a sacrificial Christ, the substitute, okay, they're going to face righteousness. And what must righteousness do if, if they, a person has not been born again and they live in sin? Judgment. That's called hell. That's called the lake of fire. Of sin, verse of nine of, of John sixteen. Of sin. Why? Because they believe not on me. They what? Won't submit their will. They live in disobedience. They live by their own plan or the plans of others. That's why we teach you lead you live by the plan that God has for you individually, and no one else can take his place. Nobody. Okay. Of sin. Because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father. your only source of righteousness. I'm the only link between you and the Father. And what? And you see me no more. Of judgment. Why? Because the prince of this world, who's that? Satan. Is judged. When was he judged? He's judged on the cross. We see that. You see that in Hebrews 2, 9 to 18. Now, that's for the unsaved. How about for those that are born again? You and I. Well, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them right now. That's capacity. You're born again, but you just don't have the right teaching yet. You need to grow in right teaching. Second Peter 3, verse 18. You know you need to grow in grace, meaning you can't do anything in yourself, so that God, through that grace that Christ is, can give you the proper knowledge that you can't attain with an unsubmitted will. How be it in verse 13, this is for believers in John 16, 13 and 14. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, why is he called the Spirit of Truth? He's one with Jesus Christ, who is, in John 14, 6, the way, the truth, and the life. And he's Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, is one with the Father, in John 10, verse 30. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of Truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit speak of himself? No, but he certainly has a function. You know, there's plenty that teach that. you got to get to know the Holy Spirit. Plenty, plenty, big ministries, huge buildings, huge so-called congregations, and will teach that. They're born again, they'll teach eternal salvation, but they'll put that in there too. And I'm not going to name them right now. Right? he will not speak of himself but whatsoever he will hear will he speak of you and he will show you things to come listen verse 14 he will not glorify, he will glorify me that's what Jesus is saying he doesn't speak of himself he glorifies and speaks of me to you that goes into first John 2:20 we all have that unction. We all have that anointing. That's the Holy Spirit in 1 John 2, verse 27. He will glorify me, for he will receive of mine and show it unto you. I can't even leave myself once I'm born again. I mean, I have a great capacity. That's Christ. But I can't even do it until I submit my will. And then finally, as we close, we see where we have to be brought, even as believers. And where we have to be brought is Romans, the seventh chapter. That's why the Bible teaches, listen, if you're going forward, there are going to be periods in your life where you're gonna go down. The going down is the area where the will, we're in Christ, we're born again, we have eternal life in us, we're going to heaven, but we can still function in an unsubmitted will. And when we do, where does he have to bring us? He has to bring us down. What's the down place? Show us constantly, totally helpless, Totally hopeless in yourself, need to submit your will. And This is what he was teaching. We have all that truth in Romans, the third chapter. Romans, the fourth chapter, it's all grace. Fifth chapter, incredible grace, position standing in Christ, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, Romans 5, 20, and the results of it in 21. Then we're brought to the sixth chapter of Romans. Okay, should I sin that grace may abound? Does God give me sin, give me grace to live in sin in an unsubmitted will? Answer, no, of course not. There's going to be separation spiritually, not positionally, but experientially. So he brings out, you've got to submit yourself. You can have to reckon yourself to be dead. Some will teach that I God is bringing me to a place that I have to die to a certain thing in my life. No, he's bringing you to a place and bringing me to a place to reckon we're already dead in Christ based on Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Based upon Romans 6, chapter verses 1 through 14. We're not under the law, or under grace. Brings us to the, now what? This is all ours, teaching us how we submit, but we need to submit in the 6th chapter. Because the fifth chapter, it's all grace. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And even the fourth chapter brings that out. So by the time we get to the seventh chapter, what is he teaching us? Constant submission. Because if you don't, look what your experience is. This is an unsubmitted will experientially. Still in Christ, but an unsubmitted will. Here it is in the seventh chapter. And here we have to go. You can read the, the whole chapter, but look what it says in the fifth chapter, well, fourth in in the fourth verse of the seventh chapter of Romans. Wherefore, my brethren, you will also become dead, right, to the law, law of what? The law of what? We're going to see it in Romans 8, 2 and 3, the law of sin and death, right? You're already dead to the law by the body of Christ, everything he accomplished in his person and in the work that he accomplished, that you should, what? Be married to another, Okay, now marriage, what is that? Even when a man and a woman receive each other, did it have anything to do with their will? (laughs) The husband had a will. He loved the wife. He responded through his will. How did she receive and respond? Through her will. And then they became what? One, married to the Lord. See, submission of the will. Marriage is even teaching that. To another, even to him who was raised from the dead, and that you should bring forth fruit unto God. Where's our fruit come from? Not as the Lordship Salvationists will teach you, based on covenant theology, that's for sure. For when we were in the flesh, the motions, the passions of sin, which were by the law, which it brought it out, did work in our members to bring forth what? Fruit unto what? Death. But now we are delivered from the law. The law of what? Sin and death that being dead spiritually separated wherein we were held <laughs> that we should serve worship in what the newness of spirit not on the oldness of the letter what will we say then is the law sin god forbid nay i had not known sin but the law which i had not known which i f- f- which i had not known for i had not known lust except the law had said you will not covet it's going back to the Ten Commandments in Exodus twenty-three to seventeen. That final one is the seventeen. Don't don't covet. does that mean? Don't lust. What does a sinner do? What do I do in my will not submitted to to Christ? What do I do with that will in my alter nature? What do I do? The flesh. I lust. First John three sixteen. That's what that's what the woman did in John three verse and uh, in, in Genesis three verse six. That's what we'll do when our will's not submitted. In 1 John 2.16, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What what will we say then? Is the law sin, God forbid? No, of course not. I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, don't do that. Yeah, but what about the unsaved that never even heard the law? Well, isn't there conscience? Don't they have a conscience that tells them that they receive through the fall? Tells them you can't do it. That's Romans 2, 14 and 15. They do by nature the things that are contained within the law. They know right from wrong, That they do it anyway. That's an unsubmitted will, right? But sin, sin, that nature, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me, worked up in me all manner of concupiscence, all kinds of different lust patterns. For without the law, sin was dead, Right? I, I don't care, I didn't know. <laughs> this was what I do, this was normal life. Yeah, like some think the normal Christian life is constant sinning and constant getting right. Is it? It's Not normal, but thank God we have a provision, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. For I was alive without the law once, but then the commandment came and sin revived and I died. Oh boy, just, oh geez, here we go. And the commandment which was ordained to life, yeah, God said, okay, the Jews said in Exodus 19, verse 8, and 24, verse 3, tell us what to do, we'll do it. Yeah, could they? What can we do without him? In John 15, 1 to 5, nothing. For the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, nature, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. I thought I could do it. I thought if I, you tell me what to do and I'll do it, God. It deceived me. Who's the deceiver in Revelations 12, 9. How does he deceive Christians? Why does he deceive Christians to function in their own well? Just so he can condemn them in Revelations 12, 10. For sin ta- taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me, just brought death in me again. Oh, geez, here we go again, God. Wherefore the law is holy, the commandment holy, ju- and just and good. Was then that which is good, May death unto me? Of course not, God forbid. But sin, that nature, that it might appear sin. He's not showing me. This is, He's not showing, see these sins you do? He's not. He's saying, see, this is who you are. And that's the only thing you can do when your will's not submitted to me. You're going to sin. Because that's what a sinner does. He can't do it but by a sin nature. That's talking sin. Sin here in 7.13 is nature what we received as a result of the fall in Adam. But that sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me, separation, by that which is good. That sin, by the commandment, might become what? Exceedingly what? Sinful. The heart is so deceitful and desperately wicked, only God knows what it is. That's why he says submit your will. But you have no idea how evil it can be. And the only way you can know it is by being in it, in an unsubmitted will. That's Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Whole head is sick from the little top to the piggy's little toes. One, five, and six. There's no soundness in it. All it brings forth is putrefying sores. Why? Well, because when you get bitten by a poisoned snake, what does it do? All that poison comes out. So we're going to close. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I allow not. I know I should do it, but I don't do it. For what I would, that I do not. Jeez. But what I hate, that I do. I'll never forget it. In my own personal testimony, with this pastor who did love me, I was in his office, And he was showing me love. And when he did, I I hadn't cried in years. I just cried and said, you know, I hate what I do, but I keep doing it. And you know why? It's because it's an unsubmitted will. For that which I do, I allow not. For that I would, that I do not, I don't do. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law. You know it's good, but I I still can't do it. Well, who fulfilled the law and went way beyond it? Romans 10, 4, Matthew 5, 17, and 18. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. That's who we are in Christ. You're not your own will. And the result of it, you are who you are in me. So how do we submit our will? God's whole plan, based upon Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, based upon 2 Samuel 22 and verse 31, based upon Psalm 18, verse 30, he has a plan, that plan, from the moment Adam fell and passed on that sin nature, is designed to humble us, because who does he give grace to? And humility is my ability, is my place by the graciousness of God to submit my will. His whole plan is designed for the unsaved, and guess who else for? To the saved. Because who is God's only plan? It's Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.